Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Good morning, everyone. I know you're saying hello and stuff like that, but just ignore me up here. That's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome again, everyone. Thank you, Brandon, for the uh, very uh, to-the-point uh, announcements and description. Uh, <laughs> um, we do have one announcement, uh, one more announcement, sorry, I should say. Um, as Brandon talked about, the church has, you know, we, not just Hope Brooklyn, but the church in general has a history of just generosity being such an extremely important pillar of the community and who we are. And, you know, over the years... We just want to thank you guys for, you know, if you partnered with us financially, um, all of this cannot be happening without your help. And so we appreciate that. And um, if you're new here, once again, don't worry about that. Just come join our events. Um, <laughs> but there's an important thing that we hope Brooklyn, not just hope Brooklyn, but um, hope church in general. If you don't know, we're a family of churches in a wider network all across the city. Um, and we normally participate in something called Extending Hope. Um, and that's kind of during the holiday season, Thanksgiving to like Christmas. We kind of just do something above and beyond um, our normal tithes and offerings. And um, we don't have a fancy slide for it, but um, every year there's always a matching fund for this. And we partner with certain organizations that we kind of feel um, just, you know, that God is kind of leaning us towards. Or we have some past work that we've done with these organizations. And so um, our goal is to raise 30000 um, and there will be a matching fund. And... Honestly, I've always been just blown away by the generosity of Hope Brooklyn. It's always gone above and beyond um, what our, our goals always have been. And so a couple of things that um, we're moving towards extending hope is rebuilding Hope Brooklyn. Obviously, almost all the churches, not just in the city, but across, um, we're, we're in a process of coming out of the pandemic. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time, this seems really cool. But this is like a year and a half in the making that we've been waiting for to have services like this and we're not even in the building that we used to be in um, but we're just thankful that we have this space um, and so we're, we're in the process of rebuilding Hope Brooklyn um, investing in our next generation which is our kids and youth if you don't know uh, why are there no kids here um, they meet at our office space on 210 Hoyt so their parents drop them off and we have a fantastic um, kids director um, that you know they so the kids are over there so don't think like hey there are no kids in this church no they're over there right now um, and, you know, we have a youth ministry that meets um, during the week. So um, next generation and justice in neighborhood. Um, we've always been a church that wants to continue the work that God is already doing in our communities and neighborhood. Um, there's a lot of fantastic organizations that already exist in this area. Um, and we've worked with them in the past, like Gowanus Mutual Aid, um, Recovery House of Worship, where the Thanksgiving um, uh, event will happen. Um, we've also worked with Safe Families, um, and if you don't know, we're part of a denomination called Foursquare. Um, and Foursquare is not just a national, but an international denomination. Um, and there's ways that we can help sponsor and fund missionaries that are overseas um, to help their work, but not just for like their salary over there, um, but it, it does help with their salary over there, but also it also helps with the work they're doing on the ground in different countries all over the world. And so um, this is Extending Hope. More, just keep a lookout for the email. If you're not part of our mailing list, join us, and we'll 
will tell you and explain the ways that you can give. But just be praying about it. Obviously, we don't want to force anyone to give. Um, you know, we believe that generosity comes out of an abundance and overflow. And so if this is something that you're praying about, um, we're going to be running this thing all the way till the end of December. Um, so if you have any questions, you can feel free to come and ask um, myself or any of the other leaders here. Um, with that said, um, we are continuing on our series on No Shame November. Um, I know, I didn't come up with the title, uh, you could blame Greg for that one. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the, the whole no shave thing, um, I, I, there's no point of me doing no shave November as an Asian. Um, there's, this is no shave November <laughs> going on right now. So, uh, <laughs> I never participated in it, I don't know what it's about. Um, but, <laughs> here we are, no shave November. And we're just talking about what it means to be a child of God, right? Like what it means to be a son and daughter of God, what it means to be in the presence of God who just, you know, loves us unconditionally. And what, the, what, 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 what is that meaning? What is, the, what is the result of that, right? Because it's not enough to just kind of sit around and be like, oh, I'm loved, right? It's, it's important, you know, we just sang that song, How He Loves Us. Um, but at the same time, there is deep impact that happens when we understand and grasp the, 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 the true depth of God's love for us. And so um, before we start, if I could just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're just, we're just so thankful. We're thankful that we get to meet in a space like this. We thank you that the city has a place for us. Um, we, 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 we're thankful that there's a community that is growing and thriving here. We're thankful that it's a place and that we can just come and encounter you in an intimate way. Especially after a season of just being apart, separated, everything being virtual online. Clearly, there's, a, there's an essence, there's a peace that's missing that we've been hungering for and desiring for. And it's not just the company of others because we can find that anywhere else. But God, there is something that's intangible that comes when your presence is there. Something that we can't describe fully with words. Something that we can't describe fully with our actions. Something greater. And so God, as we're here today, may it not just be another Sunday that we come do our religious work and our religious responsibilities for the week. But may this space be a place where we come and encounter of the one and true living God. That you are here with us, you are speaking to us, and may our hearts just be open and attentive to that. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing and the work that you'll do ahead of us. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be going, we're continuing on the series, and I kind of wanted us to sit with this passage in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. Um, actually, before Nick, you post it up, I always like to open up with posing a question idea, like, and, you know, if, if you've ever been some part of, like, interview format or conversation, they ask, what is, what is your weakness, right? I, I, I hate that question. What is my weakness, right? And, you know, some, sometimes maybe we, we pull that the humble card, you know, my weakness is I care too much, right? Like, there's always that kind of peace. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I went for a job interview once um, as a pastor. Uh, for It was, it was uh, not in New York City. So thank the Lord that um, I didn't get the job. Uh, but, uh, and I'm pretty sure I know why I didn't get the job. My wife was actually at the interview with me. Um, at that time, we weren't married. <laughs> she came with me sitting in the interview, and she was probably like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, that question came up, like, what is your weakness, right? And I went in, <laughs> right? I was like, if you're looking for this, I am not that person, right? I went through a laundry list of things like what I, I, I'm terrible at, right? Um, and they're like, what is your strength? And I was like, I've done this for a while, right? That's like kind of unrealistic. Um, but I like went in on just like all the things that I can't do. I'm like, I am not musically talented. If you want me to run the music program, I am not that person. Right? And they're like, well, you know, we're a church that really values the arts. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that person, right? Like, um, and so I went in on it and um, I didn't get a phone call back. And so uh, I'll just trust that it was the Lord's doing. Um, but 
when we think about weaknesses, right, like we live in a culture where we, we, we have to prop ourselves up, right? There's so much competition, living, especially living in New York City, right? Like you see some of these street performers and they might be like the top in their town or top in their city where they come from. But in New York City where it's like, like millions of people, millions of people that are talented and gifted and just prodigies, it's like, man, this is hard, <laughs> right? And we, we need to do everything we can to have that kind of jump start to be ahead or to stand out. And, you know, I remember the time when, and I'm not that old, but I remember the time when, like, Photoshop was, like, a shameful thing to do, right? Filters were, like, a shameful thing, like, oh, I can't believe that person photoshopped that, right? And it's, like, you just, like, take out, like, one pimple from the picture. But now, like, it's, like, 10 of your apps are, like, for filters, right? Um, and everything is, it's, like, almost expected, right, to be filtered or photoshopped, right? You have to actually hashtag unfiltered to tell people this is not a filtered picture, Right? Like that's kind of like the culture that we're building and that we're in. And I'm not, I'm not like fighting against culture, like church and culture, but I'm just saying that th the reality is we, we live in a place and culture where that is the norm now, right? Getting our best side first, right? Our LinkedIn resumes, right? Our profiles, like everything needs to be clean and polished. And then we look in the gospel and we see scriptures like what Paul's going to talk about here in 2 Corinthians, right? Like I boast in my weaknesses. I'm like, that's, that's weird, right? So let's just look at this passage right now in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 10. I know this is usually a longer read than we, we do most of the time, so just bear with me. Um, so Paul, so Paul in Corinthians says this, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up, in the, caught up to the third heaven. By the way, when he says, I know a man, he's talking about himself. I know it's weird, right? <laughs> Um, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man, talking in third person again, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. So I'm not going to get into too much in the details of this, but um, it continues to say, I'll boast about a man like that, right? But I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking from the truth. But I refrain so no one will think of, me, think of more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So just to give a little like framework for where Paul is coming from right now. This is um, another letter to the church of Corinth that he started. Um, and the first letter to Corinth was, was a little bit brutal. Um, it's actually where our passage of communion comes from, right? Um, that, the common passage that we say, this is the body, right? This is the, this is the cup. Um, but the first letter to Corinth, the, that's recorded, it's a pretty brutal letter, right? Because there's some shady stuff that is happening in the church, right? And Paul is like, I was gone for how long, right? It's like, you know, you just, he's like, all this heretical stuff. There's like temple prostitutes going on, like people abusing the Lord's Supper, right? There's factions and all these divisions. And Paul's like, what is happening, right? And it gives me comfort because he's a church planter and clearly his church is going terribly wrong right now, right? Like it's going south bad, <laughs> Right? So the letter to the Corinth is him, it's, it's a bit like, it's a lot of love, definitely a lot of love. Otherwise, he would not even be writing to them. But it's a lot of correction. Like, you, got, you guys got to fix this. You got to sort this out. Right? Like, what do you do with the immoral brother? Right? Like, what do you do with these divisions and factions? And we look at the Lord's Supper, and then if you've ever been part of a communion service, um, and we take communion every week at this whole Brooklyn, but it's weird because it's such a love and warm. Like, this is, the, this, you know, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup. But if you keep reading on afterwards, he says, if you take this in an unworthy manner, you are bringing doom to yourself. 
right? Like you will perish. <laughs> because what's happening in, in, the, in the letter in Corinth is people are coming to the supper, but they're excluding certain people. It's for the elite, right? Because communion was a time where it was like a potluck. Everyone brings the meals, you sit at the table together, celebrate the Lord's feast. But only the wealthy was able to bring the meal. So all the ones who couldn't afford to eat at the table or be at the table, they're sitting on the outside. Paul's like, what is going on, right? And then he doesn't leave, you know, he's kind of like there's like this division that's happening and he's trying to correct that. And then so there's obviously this is 2 Corinthians, but this is not just a second letter to Church of Corinth. There's other letters that Paul supposedly, because he, re, he, re, he references through past letters. And 1 Corinthians isn't supposedly the first letter to the Corinth, Church of Corinth. So anyway, there's the long history. But right now what's happening in this letter to, the sec, uh, to Corinthians and the second letter that's recorded in the Bible is that people are pretty much trying to smear Paul's name. They're killing his theology and in turn killing the theology that, that's really the gospel. So there's false teaching that is happening that's spreading. There's division that's spreading. There, Paul's authority is being questioned and challenged. And Paul is writing to them, he's like, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I could defend myself and tell you of my credentials. I could defend myself and tell you why I have the authority, but I'm not going to boast of that. I'm going to boast of my weaknesses. So he goes on to say, um, therefore, in order to keep me from boasting, becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And we don't really know what this thorn in the flesh is. I know some of you guys are already thinking names like that person. It's the thorn in my flesh. Right? <laughs> you guys are already receiving phone calls. You see texts like this person. <laughs> right, at work. But we don't know what this thorn in the flesh is. It could be a spiritual, emotional, mental. It could be physical. We don't, we don't know. Right? It isn't really described. So I'm not going to assume anything. But there's clearly, he was given a thorn, right, to torment him. Right? And for him, it's hindering his ministry. Right? Because it says in 8, um, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times he pleaded with God, remove this thorn from my flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Let me say that again. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is a very weird and ironic statement. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, don't make the mistake that I did at the interview. <laughs> right? Like, let me give you a long list of my weaknesses. <laughs> right? Um, maybe, I don't know, if the Lord tells you, just <laughs> go for it. But clearly, Paul is like, he, he, he's in a position where he needs to protect and defend his authority, right? I would. Right? If the people that I love and the people that I cherish and I started this church with were all turning their backs on me, abandoning the theology and the gospel and creating divisions among themselves, I'd be like, here is why you need to listen to me, right? This is my authority. I, he, like, I'll play that trump card, right? Like, this is why you should listen to me, right? Like, I am your spiritual father, right? I started this church, I'll go through it, but he's like, nah. He's like, I have had revelations, but I'm not going to even get into that. What I'll boast in is in my weaknesses. And there's a, there's a pattern, a trend, because even in 1 Corinthians, Paul is like, he just feels kind of defeated. And he's like, 
I'm not going to come to you with, with fancy rhetoric. I'm not going to come to you with like, here are my 10 points of, you know, like, I'm sure he's done, he's done proper teaching. But remember, Paul is in a, in a season and a time in, the, in, the, in, 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 in history where rhetoric and dialogue is sophisticated. And it's, 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 it's supreme right now, right? Like, this wasn't just Facebook banter, right, <laughs> during this time. Like, you had, you had sessions, you had gatherings to hear speakers argue and debate. And Paul is not just some, you know, some like, you know, like, you, you hear about the apostles, the disciples, and Drew talked about it last week. Like, Jesus walked along the shore and was like, hey, you fishing, come follow me. This man has no education. There's a reason he's fishing, <laughs> right? There's a reason he's doing a day trade and not in the, in the schools and the temples. But Paul was a lawyer. Right, like this man could walk into any cultural scene and just camouflage, right? Not just camouflage, but he could adapt. Can you imagine in New York City, right? Like sometimes if you go even within the same borough, you feel like you're in a different town, right? I, I grew up in Flushing my entire life, and now I live in Greenpoint. Four years, I'm still, I still feel like an alien sometimes, right? I go into Flushing and I'm like... The garbage smell is <laughs> calling me, right? Like, <laughs> right? You only love flushing if you're from flushing, right? <laughs> like, otherwise, like, looking for a park, like, they closed out all the parking lots in the, in the area, right? Like, it, but then at the same time, if I go to Jackson Heights, I'm lost, right? You go one train stop, you feel like you're in a different town. Now imagine someone in New York City that can just walk around anywhere and just adapt. That is a gift. That is a well educated and cultured person and that's who apostle paul was he could walk into any commerce he could walk into any auditorium he could walk into you know literally any scene and adapt but he says you know what that's not the power i'm gonna flaunt and the first corinthians he talks about that he said i'm not listen you guys want wisdom you guys want signs all i'm coming to you is the power of the cross that's it that's all i can do because at the end of the day you got the most eloquent, theologically trained speaker and preacher. And I read this passage and I, I relate to it so much. Not because like Paul is like this grand person and I, like, I feel in that, I'm in that seat. But especially during COVID, man, I'm going to be honest with you. If you want to find a good preacher, you're in the wrong place. Right? Like you could turn on YouTube. Right? I'm like, why am I still pastoring? Right? There's like so many better preachers. Right? So many like seasoned, you know, theologians and more like charismatic people. Like why, why, why am I here, right? Like that's, that's what I'm thinking, right? Especially during this year of COVID, like it's like a buffet, right? I, like, I want to choose this church's worship and this person's preacher, right? And then maybe I'll join Hope Brooklyn for the communion time, right? Like so I'm, I'm just kidding. Our worship and our preachers are phenomenal, right? But it's, you know, I, I get insecure, right? Like man, there's so many people out there that others can go to. And I look at these weaknesses and, you know, maybe I could even say insecurities, and I feel like I'm there, right? It's, I'm not like Paul who has the potential to be the greatest and he's choosing to be the lowly. <laughs> but I'm like, where am I in this picture, right? My weaknesses, my insecurities, the things that kind of keep me up, right? My, my list of failures, and maybe behind all the facade, like we're there too. 
behind our you know, social media postings, behind the person that we project on Sunday mornings, putting our best foot forward, behind who we are, behind those doors when we go home and we're by ourselves to our own thoughts, right? Maybe we, we need the company to dull the noise that's really speaking to us, the failures, the shame, the weaknesses, the insecurity, and it haunts us. Right? How many of us hold on to failures from decades ago, years ago, that really determine how we behave today, right? I mean, I know I have like childhood memories where I'm like, because of that shameful moment or that embarrassing moment, right, or that insecure moment, I project today, right? I, I like to be the person that knows everything in the room, which I clearly don't, right? But it comes from when I was younger being bullied for not knowing, right? For not being able to speak English even though I was born here, <laughs> right? Like all, all, all that kind of just, it, it's in the back of my head. It's embedded. It's a bedrock of who I am today. And we talk about these weaknesses and we ask, what do we do with it, right? Do we just become a better person, work harder, right, to achieve those goals that our weaknesses say that we can't? Right? Do we build protection and barriers around us to cover the insecurities that we hold? Right? Do we promise and swear to ourselves we will never make that mistake again because of the shame it brought us the first time? Right? I'm not going to put myself out there ever again. Right? I'm not going to put myself in a position of a church ever again, be part of a church because of what happened in the past. Right? I'm never going to, you know, volunteer to do this because when I did, wow, I realized I'm not as good as everyone around me. It's tough. And it's tough being in a city doing that. When everywhere you look, you'll find someone that's better, right? Someone who makes more, who's ahead of us in the career path. But Paul here is saying, I will boast gladly about my weaknesses. Like, can, you, can you imagine just opening a LinkedIn, right? And the entire profile is like, here are the things that you do not want to hire me for, right? <laughs> just the resume of that. It says that's where the power of Christ resides, in our weaknesses. Not to say that he doesn't give us gifts, right? And I believe there are very talented people in the room, and I'm going to make a shameless plug right now. Hope Brooklyn has a, historic, has a, has a history of being generous through finances, but also through talents. If you're sitting here and saying like, well, my bank account is really tough right now, right? Like COVID has like crippled my finances. Or maybe some of us are saying it was COVID, but really in reality it was like way before that too. You know? <laughs> I'll say it's because of COVID. You know, like, um, and like maybe I don't have financial, you know, materialist things to give. That's fine. You know, you look across scripture, the Lord isn't just, Jesus isn't just going around with a basket, or offering basket, but like, here, give. But he's, he calls people for the talents, right, for their heart. So if you want to serve, <laughs> come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. We are running on a skeleton crew. It's just that our skeleton crew is just phenomenal, right? So it looks like everything is just, wow, right? I hope so. Um, but we are running on a skeleton crew. Like, why is the same person hosting every time, right? Yeah. Why is the same person greeting me every week? It's, okay. Um, so if you have any of those talents, come forward, right? <laughs> um, 
But yeah, like we, we, we look at our weaknesses and we want to hide it as fast as we can, right? We look at the things that torment us, right? Like, me, God, if that experience didn't happen in my life, I'll be thriving, right? If that trauma never happened in my life, God, I'll be such, I'll be such a cheerful giver, right? I'll be, such, I'll be a more relational person, right? And I get it because I'm there too. There's things that happened in my past and not even in my past currently where I'm like, it haunts me. And I don't want to put that foot forward. And that's a thorn in my flesh. God, if this just didn't happen to me, right, if my, if my business just didn't close, I'll be able to give, right? If this, if this experience, if this abuse in my life didn't happen, once again, I never want to minimize abuse in any form or in any way, right? But a lot of times it cripples us so deeply that we can't see God through that. If COVID just didn't happen, this death didn't happen, if this loss didn't happen, if I didn't have to relocate, there's all these things that we can mark as a thorn in my flesh. And maybe we've been praying for years, for decades. God, I've asked you to remove it. I pleaded with you. Erase this memory from me. God, I pleaded with you. Heal this situation. Just that didn't happen. If I just got that apartment But interesting enough, God's response to Paul is this, my grace is sufficient for you. Like, yeah, God, but I got bills to pay, <laughs> right? My grace is sufficient for you. But I can't get this trauma out of my head. I've met with counselors. I've been in therapy. But I still react this way. God, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, but I still have all these broken relationships I don't know what to do with. I feel it. I'm there with you. I'm in a year and a season of my life where it's, it's tough. I've, you know, I've shared it many times, but the, just the amount of death that I experienced this year in my family, my friends. I'm like, God, if COVID just didn't happen, I would have more time. So and so. I have all these regrets. I have all these weaknesses that I try to hide. But in it, God is saying, I'm still there. I am in your weaknesses. I am in your pain. I am in the moments that are just hard to grasp and to overcome. I'm there. He's like, I'm made perfect in those moments. My power rests in you. I delight in weaknesses for Christ's sake. Right? I want to I make that kind of disclaimer, right? <laughs> like, oh, there's nothing I could do, right? I'm just weak at it. <laughs> right? I forget it. I don't know how to use Excel. Just, <laughs> just move on, right? <laughs> just don't ask me for spreadsheets, right? I, I, I'm, I'm terrible with finances. Don't ask me to put a savings in, right? Like, it's, I'm, I'm not saying that we just dwell in our weaknesses, right? I'm not saying we just sit in our addictions and our brokenness, in our, in, our, in our history of, uh, of pain and suffering in our family. I'm not saying we just sit in that, right? Because I'm telling you, and I promise you right now, the Lord wants to work in those places. But there are certain things where God says, I am sufficient. And it is what it is. And I'm there. Right? Don't take this passage as like, oh, there's no breakthrough can happen. 
no transformation can happen. No renewal can happen. But in a certain situation, Paul's pleading and the Lord says, I am sufficient. And this is a weird principle because we want to be strong. We want to be in power. We want to be in authority. It's in, it's in us. We want to have influence. We want to have control, right? I love feeling like my life is in control. Right? I mean, some of you are just gifted in areas like, I'm just going to let where the wind flows, right? I'm like, no, I need to know what I'm eating tomorrow, right? <laughs> like my meals are lined up, right? And I, I worked with a coworker um, at church, and we used to grab lunch together. And every time I'm like, what do you want to eat? It's like, let's just drive down Northern Boulevard and then see what happens. It's like, what? Are you a madman? Like, <laughs> no. Let's call ahead. We pick it up, right? We know exactly what we're going to get, right? And it will be the most anxious 10 minutes of driving, right? Um, but the reality is we're not in control. But the truth is that God is in control. He's in control even in the moments where we feel weak. He's in control even in the moments where we feel like our insecurities are going to eat us alive. He's, he's in control in situations where we feel like we're going to hit rock bottom. He's in control. We feel like we need to have power. But then here Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is an upside-down kingdom principle. Because who will inherit the earth? We look at it right now as the people of money, the people of control, the people who hold the seat of political power. And we think they're the ones that are going to inherit the earth. And when we see brokenness and just terrible things happening in the news, when we experience injustice and we witness injustice, we think the people who are controlling this, they, they will inherit the earth. It's their earth. And here Jesus is saying, Blessed are the, he starts his ministry with this. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I love that he started with this because when he walked around in his years of ministry, he didn't demand power and control. He didn't demonstrate. He didn't go into the political seats and be like, this is my seat. He, were in, he was in the towns with the prostitutes, with the lepers. He was with the widows. He's like, you, you will inherit the earth. The meek. I look at my mom, a single mom, an immigrant mom raising two kids. And there are times of my worldly view, she'll never inherit the earth. What power does she have? Working two, three jobs, trying to raise two kids, trying to meet ends meet. How will she ever inherit the earth? Maybe she wins, if she wins a lotto, right? <laughs> and we always joke around like, mom, just, just meet a new, rich, wealthy man. Right? That will solve all of our problems. But then for my entire life that I lived with her, 5.30 a.m. without fail, she's praying. And then when I complained when I was in high school, she would go pray in the bathroom. <laughs> I said, Bob, I don't need to get up for two more hours. <laughs> she prayed. When I was a wayward son lost far, far from God, she prayed every morning for me. She knew she had no physical power or monetary power. But I know whenever she read the scriptures, whenever she prayed, whenever she sang hymns with my grandparents in the living room, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And 
then we jump to Revelation 4, 8 to 11. I know Revelation is a very scary book. I'm going to be honest. I didn't put up the whole passage here because it might freak some of you out, right? But in your own reading time, this is the cool passage, right? It's like, ah. But everything before you're like, what is going on, right? <laughs> like, there's animals, there's beasts, right? It's, just, it's a weird scene, right? Just, just go read it. <laughs> um, but in this scene in Revelation 4, right, there's this, there's this room that Jesus is at the throne. And there's all these, like, mythical animals being described. And they're all crying this, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Who was and is currently and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. I know a lot of times we like to think of Jesus as this social justice advocator, and that's it. Right? We, we use the cause of Jesus to say, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. Right? Which is, could be definitely true. Jesus would care for these people, which is true. Right? We, all, we always think that he's just like this loving friend, right, who just kind of gives us a big hug whenever, whenever we're down. Right? Yes, he's the counselor. He is the prince of peace. But he's so much more. We minimize God. We minimize Jesus to this lowly seat that is like here. And yes, he brings himself down to us. I mean, that's what we're going to be going into this whole Christmas season. Right? The incarnation of Jesus Christ becoming man to be with us, to live with us, to dwell with us, being born in a manger. But do not get it twisted. At the end of the day, he is on the throne. He sees all. He sees every injustice. He sees every tear. Even the ones that are not televised, the ones not on social media. He sees it and he knows. He is the all-powerful one who sits on the throne. And he will always be on the throne. Nothing in this world can ever dethrone him. No person in power. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many titles you have. It means nothing when you come in the presence of God. Because he holds it all. And we get that confused. Because if Jesus is just a good advocator, right, I'm sure I would like to have a lawyer that could be physically present in the room. Right? Like, here's Jesus. Right? He'll be speaking on my behalf. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who I can talk to that the comfort and the counseling might seem so much more tangible than what Jesus can provide. I have friends that I could probably hang out with that will be a, more of an immediate and instant satisfaction of comfort and relationship than what Jesus can provide. But at the end of the day, that is not all who Jesus is. He is that and more. And when Paul boasts in his weaknesses, it's because he's assured of this. Assured of this that it doesn't matter how weak he is. Because the God he serves is the all-powerful one. That one day everyone will lay their crowns before him. I know that sometimes that seems demoralizing, but it's not meant to be, right? Like you've worked, maybe some of you guys here worked hard, getting all your degrees, the PhDs, the titles. And at the end of the day, that's going to be at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> right? That's not to say I'm going to quit my program right now, right? I want my money back, <laughs> right? No, God has gifts and blessings for us to be able to use for his kingdom. Right? 
he will give us influence. I'm not saying that power is necessarily a terrible thing, but it's how we use that power, how we use that influence. Paul could have had all the influence in the world. He could have literally just sat the Corinthians down and be like, listen, sit down, and behave. <laughs> right? What are you doing? No, but he teaches them and, and works with them in a loving way. He corrects them. He rebukes them. But also he's like, let me tell you about my weaknesses. I boast in that. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I know when we see the world today, it seems like he's not on the throne. I know when we see the world today, we feel like our failures, our shame, our insecurities, it, that holds all the power. The mistakes of our past. But the reality is Jesus comes to restore and to redeem all of that. That we get to be in his presence, just be glad. <laughs> we get to be in his presence and know that he is in control. I feel like at this point, COVID is being kind of like a, a like a beat up theme, <laughs> right? But I'm telling you, I think this past year and a half, we've just, this pandemic showed how little control we have. No one expected this or how bad it would be. I remember I was looking through some old emails um, and posts um, for Hope Brooklyn and be like, yeah, in two weeks we'll open up again. <laughs> yeah, the school, we'll be back in there. <laughs> no time. <laughs> We're only recording this once or twice, so, you know, let's just go all out. <laughs> right? We only have to stream, like, you know, a couple more months. Here we are. <laughs> right? But also here we are. Because God is good. Who knew that we would be gathering like this again? Who knew that people will still be worshiping? still be praying, that through the year, it was almost like a refiner's fire, right? We began to question ourselves, like, what, what do I really hold to? Who is Jesus in my life? Is he just the thing that I attend and I join and participate in, or is he really the one who is worthy? He sits on the throne. My life is to worship him. I question that for myself. Is Jesus just my job? <laughs> right? Am I just preaching him because this is my job? We're preaching it because he is the one that is in the throne. He controls all things and he is good. He is not a vindictive judge. He is not a, a bitter king. He is the one true God. And today we're going to take something called communion. And I know this is like a weekly routine thing that we do, so sometimes we forget the significance and the meaning of it. But the reality is, this is supposed to represent the body and the blood of Jesus that was broken and poured out for us, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique thing that the Lord asks us to remember and bring to the table together, the bread and the cup. But the truth is, we're not worthy to sit at this table. The truth is, without the cross of Jesus, as we approach this table... We should be filled with guilt and shame. <laughs> we should be just reminiscing about our weaknesses and our insecurity, right? Because imagine if I were to tell you something, like today, as you were coming here, someone sacrificed their life so that you can live. Are we worthy? Right? I'll, if someone did that for me, I'll be listing like all the things that I've done wrong. 
all the reasons why no one should save their life from me. Right? Other, other than the fact that it's nice to live and to be alive. But the reality is we should be coming up with our heads down, a shameful approach grabbing this bread and cup. But because of Jesus, we have to come with our heads up high, boast in our weaknesses. We take this saying, you know what, I am not perfect. I do have things that I feel ashamed of. I do have failures in my life. I have things that I lack, that I don't measure up sometimes. But Jesus is sufficient for me. And all of that, he's made perfect. And that's where the power lies. Listen, I don't preach because I'm the best preacher. Really, like I, I'm not saying this in a humble approach. I would rather just sit in a room and just talk with you guys, just like in a small group eating food. That's why I love tables. Shameless plug again. <laughs> but I, I do this because I know one thing. That there's hope in me that before I approach this spot right here, that his power will be demonstrated. That in the midst of this, I'm not looking at your eyes and your faces because I'm wondering, am I connecting? <laughs> right? Am I saying all the right things? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay, let me change the topic. No, I, I look. Because I'm one, I am witnessing the Holy Spirit move. The Holy Spirit speaking. And his power resting in me on that. So I'll boast. I'll jumble up words. I'll forget my notes. I'll say the wrong things. But Jesus won't. And so I boast in that. And that's where his power is.